Welcome to another episode of Who the Fuck is Delia? I'm not sure what episode this is anymore. I've lost count. I think it's 21. 21? I think so. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Yeah, we had Ben on 20. It was a big deal at the time. Um, the podcast that uncovers the plight of the creative who might not just yet be so successful that they have their names turned into adjectives. Who's that? Um, Steven Spielberg? Spielbergian? Stanley Kubrick? Lynchian? Lynchian? David Lynch? Something's Lynchian. Fair. I'll give you that one. David Cronenberg? Cronenbergian? I don't think I'm giving you Spielberg. I think, no, that's that's one of the main ones, isn't it? Spielbergian. Yeah, like if something's (laughs) a bit Spielbergian. You know, it means it's like, it's got kids in it or something. Oh, right, okay. Um, I'm joined by Michelle Harris, as usual. And this week we have a very special guest. Yeah, we do. We have Antonia Luxem on the show. Luxem. Alex had a go pronouncing that earlier in the week and I don't know if he was successful. Oh, yeah. I, I, I but we just had a chat about it. Yeah, uh, I nailed it. I'm doing it in English because I'm English. What Apparently you can do it in French. It doesn't really matter. It depends um, Depends who I'm introducing myself to. So if, if I'm in France, I'll say Luxem. If I'm, in Luxem. The, if I'm speaking to English-speaking people, I'll say Luxem. And in <sighs> Germany, I'll say Luxem. Ah. So it'll just depend on um, where I am. What would, you, uh, what would you go for for a shell surname? Harris. Harris. So obviously English is Harris. What's I think it would be Harris everywhere. Is f- huh? I think I would say Harris everywhere. Would you not say like for French like Aris? Aris, maybe. Maybe and then, Aris. And then for German? Harris. There is, so slight, cool. there is a slight, there is a slight, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but you, yeah, you are, you are a French, German, English? Not English, are you? Uh, French, German, Swiss, yeah. Yeah, right. Do you, speak, do you speak German as well? I do, yeah. Uh, yeah I, rem- I think I remember this conversation. Um, and primarily, the reason why you're on the show is you're a filmmaker, director, <laughs> artist, <laughs> <laughs> you're just like giggling away. I like doing this part at the start. I think it embarrasses people as yeah, well. Yeah, it does. Artist, um, filmmaker, director, visionary. What's what's on the top? What's on the to- what's on the top of your um, CV? I do. It depends um, who I'm talking to. Um, no, I make. Um, I don't know. I, I say I'm an artist filmmaker, so that I primarily see myself as um, making videos, films, I guess, um, mm-hmm. and then either it's for an exhibition yeah um kind of more in the art world or i also just make films as you know whether a music video or short film so then it's more of like film film i Whoa, guess it's funny that you said short film because we're working on a short film together yay <laughs> <laughs> you shot our film and have sort of you know you co-directed our film as well yeah um, yeah it was loads of fun yeah that we uh we were working on today and then we thought, why not get you on the podcast as well? Yeah, I can't wait to hear the full music. Once yeah, we're... once it's done, we'll get around to it. That'll be loads of fun. Yeah, it's shaping up well. But um, we were talking about, on the when we travelled up to shoot the film, we were talking about the fact that you were going for a an interview for a residency? In yes. In Amsterdam? Yeah. yeah. How's that all going? Oh well, we shouldn't yeah. like, we shouldn't have add this part because it's I okay. didn't get it, so it's kind of oh. boring. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's pretty crazy. So like, if you if you go for an interview for a, for a residency, yeah, what is that? What do you do? Is it like because it can't just be sitting down and being like, why are you good for the role? No, uh, well, um, 
So basically, usually they uh, they select a, an, uh, an amount of people, and then you they discuss your art to see like how legitimate you are and how good you are at making art. Basically, so they'll yeah. test you. Like, that sounds terrifying. The art world probably does test you. I guess when you're well known, you you're tested through press and critics. Yeah, and, and this is what like an early version of that. Well, I mean, maybe I guess like any interview, you know, they want to know like why you do what you do. So yeah. they want to know like what references you have and um why you're original and yeah. like what everything means so everything should have meaning really right okay and even if it doesn't i guess they're just trying to like see who fits in together because yeah um they need people to um collaborate or yeah. get along and what does an art residency look like it depends there are loads of different ones so i mean it's just a really general term to say yeah. some are paying you know and kind of like you know, well, some people do go to those. I wouldn't go to those, but um, you usually, um, it's basically giving you time and space to make art. Mm -hmm. So some of them might be collaborative. So you expect to do art with people in a certain space, like, you know, on the coast somewhere or like quite isolated mm -hmm. over two weeks. It might be over a year, it might be over two years. Well, and you're expected to either just, it's just giving artists time to think because often you don't have that time and you yeah. don't have the space and you don't have the money to do it. Yeah. Um, so you usually go with a project, but you could also go with nothing and then be like, okay, I'm going to use this time to develop something and to actually inspired. build an artwork. Mm. But you could also not make anything and just have like build your thought mm -hmm. and then oh, come wow. out of there. So like, I mean, loads of writers go in residencies all the time, you know, just to like test, test ideas, experiment. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, you, yeah. you get them for musicians. So you get them like for all, all types of arts and then you've got mm. loads of different kinds of residencies yeah you get them for a lot of composers i think yeah because like being a composer i mean i suppose these days it's a little easier because everything you know everything's on computers but like there's a difference between being a composer and being in a band isn't there so yeah. like that composer may may be the best composer in the world but it's not got people around them to put that stuff to, to. develop those ideas yeah, yeah so i guess they're closer to a writer then in yeah. some ways mm. yeah just need quiet space I yeah. guess it's really, I really see it as a, as a way of like having space in your ma mind. Okay. Um, it's like a peace of mind as well. Yeah. So that you're not worrying about paying your bills. And, exactly. Yeah. And just being somewhere new sometimes really helps. Or it doesn't. <laughs> or really <laughs> it, Or you, you might just go through like nervous breakdown. But then, hey, maybe it'll actually help afterwards to create something good. I Was that what you... Go on. No, you go. Was that what you were doing in Margate as well? It was yeah, similar, but you were doing more collaborative, wasn't it? Yeah, so that was like another kind of hybrid because it was also kind of like an arts program and sort of a residency in the sense that, you know, you, you're there for a year and you have shared studio spaces, but then you've got some workshops and mm. you it's collaborative in the sense that you have to make work with... Other people. Ten other people. Yeah. Is, um, that, is, is that a pain because you can't like develop your own ideas or you know, well i mean okay? that's the whole aim like i mean you had to apply to want to collaborate they wouldn't take people who wouldn't right. want uh it's very difficult yeah it's, it's challenging but that's kind of the point like okay. you learn to listen to other people and um to make an idea like way stronger because mm. you kind of bounce back an idea so that's people from different disciplines exactly Whoa, yeah mad so you gotta get involved you gotta make your discipline fit to whatever the project is yeah or you just go out of your discipline 
you know, right, just do okay. something completely different. That's the point. Yeah, it's cool. like it's all about experimentation. Yeah. Um. It's uh. It's kind of going against like you know always going in a straight line and doing things like you would in yeah. art school and like paying and everything. It's basically putting minds together, mm. whatever their discipline, and making things together. So you you know it could have been a performance, and I'm not a performance artist, or you know it could have been um um. Yeah, a lot of it was performative, actually, what we did. Okay. Oh, cool. Is that, that kind of makes sense when you hear, like, uh, I don't know, filmmakers or um, you get, I suppose you, you get it a lot with actors and stuff as well, where they'll be like, oh, I, you know, this is what I've been doing for the last 20 years, but I also had, like, I had a year in Margate on the, where I was a, I don't know, like a, a life-drawing poser for and you're like all right well that's totally random where did that come from well they'll be like i spent a year learning how to play a single string attached to a wooden board and you're like what the fuck and i was whenever i hear those things i'm like how did you like afford to live while you spent that time being this floaty artisty type but then i guess like all those random little bits especially things like that where you've got to work so collaboratively helps shape other other parts of the of your own career in, in ways that you you probably didn't realize yeah yeah in, like if you're working in a huge team of people now you can kind of have knowledge of parts of that process that you previously wouldn't have had knowledge about so you can have more say on it and you can do you know you can change your ideas based on what they're doing because you know about what they're doing so for example example for you know if you're working with an actor instead of just shooting that actor you can actually have input into how they how you think it should look and yeah. how to go about directing them yeah. because you've worked on that kind of thing before. Yeah, yeah I guess. I mean, I, I, like f- running, working with a film crew is a little bit different to like, I think collaborating as artists because the whole point is usually, I mean, not that you have to have a hierarchy in, in film, not at all, but I think like in often like artistic collaborations, it's more like that's what makes it really challenging is that there's like there's no hierarchy well it depends what i was on wasn't like that which is great you know Mm. i think it really just teaches you to let go of your own ideas that's like and that's like a really hard thing to do that's really hard yeah especially when you're an artist yeah (laughs) but it's it's good well often you have to let go because if you just do a bit of each idea it just makes a a, like i think the total sum of the project isn't as great as like one idea or like two yeah you know but but it does help in general as on a human level of course to like you know to listen and to go through these difficult situations and they're skills that you definitely wouldn't gain if you were just like alone in your own kind of workshop developing your own things yeah Yeah, and i did things you know like on a on a more like um literal level like doing plaster and uh, sculptures and stuff like that which i wouldn't do and i'm probably not very good at but at least you know i've kind of (laughs) learned a bit more about that yeah other people that's cool I suppose what you're saying, Shell, as well, it's like, <clears throat> even goes down to like terminology. Like I have it all the time with music where if I've got a client, uh, like a production client, and I'll say something like, oh, I've just got to bounce this out and then we can finish. And they look at me like I've got two heads because bouncing something out means absolutely nothing to them. So then you kind of go like, I'm just going to export the song. And you have to kind of like re... Like you have to adjust your, you know, where your your point of view or where you're coming yeah. from because you're like, I don't know any other word than bounce. Yeah, and you're like, what is bouncing? Mm. I suppose it's it's like exporting, right? It's exporting. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm going to export the songs. And I suppose if you do that with other people from 
other disciplines in art, then you, you could you could pick it up and when you're talking to them or working along them alongside them in the future. Mm. Like, you know, in other professional New language, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Did being by um did being by the coast to help, do you think? Or uh, just being in, in, in that kind of because Margate's very well it's a coastal town, right? Is yeah. It? It yeah. Is. So it's it's that very I assume it's got like more of a laid back Brighton esque mm. feel to it. Yes and no. But I mean with, with you saying like most of these places are by the coast and they're a bit rural, you know, and you have a bit of time to kinda of, I don't know. Yeah, know, definitely. I mean the, the landscape the, and stuff. Yeah, like being you know, seeing the sea. I mean I love the sea personally, so that's that's a nice thing. It just makes me feel good. Mm. But in general I guess like it's kind of the cliche of like artists going to the sea, right? But it does help. And the but what helped me more is that Margate, I got there in winter and winter's really bleak there and there's not many, there aren't many people there because it's still, it's not that much of a lively city like Brighton would be. Mm. Far from that still. Um, <laughs> but that's what I liked about it. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say that sounds was, quite attractive. It's, yeah, it it's quite, it's gray and bleak and there's like a lot of concrete and a lot yeah, of go on. trash. Yeah. <laughs> sounds amazing. Yeah. I found that quite inspiring really. Wicked. But after, after a few months I kind of got over it and after filming all of the landscapes I was like, okay, I'm done. With yeah. It. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. 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 So yeah. it does, it does like, uh, how do you say it, wear on you? Well, or like, yeah, it just gets old, I suppose. Yeah. Like you can only shoot so many moody, uh, empty beaches or yeah. moody, empty I don't know. Well, you were the person who introduced us to Dungeness. Oh, yeah. And when I went there, I was like, holy shit, this is the best place in the world. That yeah, place was fucking weird. It was, the- I was, it was so eerie and like desolate. I didn't really know what the vibe was or what had happened there. Yeah, that's a really strange place. I mean, that's a really strange place. I yeah. would I would never live there, I don't think. But um, but there are the way people there. living in little like square huts yeah. on the beach. Yeah, and one it's of them so had like strange. a what? Because we, we went location scouting for the film that we that we made together, and we went there. We ended up shooting in North Wales, but when we went down to Dungeness, which is in what is it in Kent? Uh, I think it might be in Sussex. Sussex. Uh, yeah. So we went down there because on your recommendation because the pictures were so, like crazy looking we're like oh we'll go check it out like i'm sure like from the pictures it just looks like a couple of random spots doesn't it Mm. it looks like oh maybe it's just like a normal town with these random weird spots and we went down there and like we didn't use it because it didn't work narratively with the film but like as an actual setting it was so weird and like there was a house like these little box houses which were like bungalows essentially but they're they're like smaller than bungalows Mm. Um, it's like what Yoda lives in in Star Wars. It's yeah. like tiny little hut. And then it's like got a thing on the window that's, that says something like, this is my bedroom, no photographs. And you're like, whoa. <laughs> <It's> like, <shit>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, just imagine if you took a picture in that window, some guy comes out with a shotgun holding like it in yeah. one hand, just loading it as he, as he walks out the house. Yeah, the energies are really weird there. I think that's that's what it was. Feel. The energy was There's, so strange. But a very fil- famous uh, filmmaker who I'm, I like quite a lot, Derek Jarman, mm. who's mm. dead now, um, lived there. Oh, did Actually, he? He's got his house there. I'm not sure if you can visit it or anything, but you can see. I think it's one of the, yeah, one of those houses dying around. There's a nuclear um, power plant there, right? Yeah, there is. That makes crazy. me wonder why. That makes me wonder if the reason it's so desolate around it is maybe because of that. 
Yeah. Because <laughs> he knows that <laughs> there is this, like, big, big of a bigger fallout zone just in case. Yeah. yeah, so everyone who's in those box houses can go fuck themselves. But... Well, no, but it's like, if you, you, you choose to live there if you want to live there, oh, but right. you wouldn't want to, because who wants to live that close to a nuclear power plant? Yeah, yeah. I think it's a nuclear power plant. We I... looked it up. Oh, it is, Yeah, okay. because I was thinking, because I, I, I was looking into it, I was like, why was Dungeness like that? And I was so confused as to why it was, and then we started watching Chernobyl, which is a new series that started, and it clicked, and I was like, I wonder whether that power plant was nuclear, the one in thingy and we looked it we looked it up and we were like it was and i was like yeah. well and that could be a legitimate reason as to why any sort of housing isn't in the isn't in that vicinity really like yeah. you have to drive a few minutes before you hit houses don't you yeah from the plant itself it would also explain the weird vibes and the weird energy and mm. kind of like yeah. everything's so weird mm. i mean explain those, those radio- radioactivity and the octopus just walking around we, we with like, got with there. human legs we got there and we were like walking <laughs> onto the beach um there wasn't a specific path but like there's a path that you walk around isn't there where all of the weird box houses are but then we just took a little dirt road and went onto the beach itself and this dog just like come out of one of the box houses oh, and was just staring yeah. at us as we walked past and i was like yeah it was like dog, he had no lead no anything it was just like obviously it knew the area really well yeah, and it was like stay it away just, from my house yeah and then it just followed us but walked really slowly like around its house as we like walked past the house and i was like oh yeah, god it was pretty creepy. we're gonna die in dungeoness <laughs> yeah it's crazy <laughs> i mean that's a place you could probably get inspired 100 percent. Yeah. yeah um and make a thriller there or something so you know you were saying about uh i mean dungeoness is the same but you were saying about margate with it having that kind of uh scrunginess to it that kind of you know almost bleak yeah i suppose yeah bleak bleakness to it um your your filmmaking from what i've seen and part and, and from what stuff that i've like stalked you on <laughs> has that kind of bleaker mm-hmm darker side of things one might even say lynchian <laughs> but you know what do you know what i mean that kind of um that kind of edge to it that that is a bit unsettling or a bit unnerving do you do that on purpose uh i don't do that on purpose no because that's the thing with music is that people would say are oh, you like for, again talking like from a production point of view for when i work with um artists they'll say or the, the people that work at the studio that that would recommend me for a per- particular person there was a point where all these people were coming through and they were all of a certain ilk ilk yeah a certain genre or, or style and i was sort of like am i emitting this energy that i this is what i do and i don't do it on purpose but but i inevitably i do do it is that what yeah i guess i mean you? i guess that's hopefully that's what it should be for most artists right it's just something you um it's something which naturally comes out yeah, and not right. Do you reckon anyone ever does it on purpose? I guess maybe some people do. Yeah. Um, maybe it's like, you know, it's like a, a way of having their your own style. Or, mm. I don't really know. Actually, it's a good mm. question to ask people. Because there's a big thing about finding your style, isn't there? But I feel like when you find your style, you're just going through the wrong thing a few times until you find the thing that feels right. You never kind of go, that's what I'm going to do and then make your style that, do you? Or, or do yeah. you? I don't know. No, you find like your inspirations and often you end up copying your inspirations for a while before you end up settling in a place where you're like, oh, yeah. actually, I... Mashing them all together a bit. Yeah, I feel comfortable here because I'm inspired by X, Y, and Z. Yeah. yeah. And I assume then you end up just like sitting there. Yeah. But it's interesting that you don't intend 
you don't intend that when you make your art, but somebody watching that can have that feeling. Because mm. that's always something that I worry about when we're making music. I'm like, this is these are my intentions, but somebody else would listen to it and be like, oh, I get a feeling it's this. And yeah. I'm like, what? Like a friend of ours had said, had listened to some of our stuff and was like, oh yeah, I'm hearing a bit of Paramore. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so thrown off by that. And I was like, I, it's crazy to it's crazy that you can put out a completely different intention from what you initially set when you're creating yeah stuff. that's yeah. a weird thing isn't it who judges your intention because like a lot of comedians get in a lot of trouble for saying something like politically incorrect or something and then they sort of uh, a lot of comedians will, or i've heard recently the the argument of being like as an audience member you don't get to pick what that the intentions behind that joke right so that's one of their their arguments for defending being controversial or whatever mm-hmm. But then do they get to pick the intention? Because isn't that your right as an audience member to be like, that didn't feel right to me? Do you know yeah, what I mean? I mean, I guess you make you make art for any, and then any, everyone takes out what they want to take out. I don't think, I mean, you've obviously always got an intention behind it. And I think there's, coming back to what you were saying, Shell, like there's a lot of, I guess, inspirations, but there's also just a lot of, that's how I see my work, like a lot of just subconscious things, like yeah. things you can't really explain, which are, like actually super personal and probably like revealing a lot about yourself. Like a psychoanalyst was looking at it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but so th- I think there's like probably a lot of things you've seen as a child or as a teenager or like growing up in your mm. early twenties and then they kind of stick with you. And I guess you want to reproduce that somehow. And then you do. Mm. Um, I don't know how it is for stand-up comedians, like political correct and stuff, yeah. but like, I guess any form of art then is like, um, uh, viewed differently by every person because they'll yeah, subjective. see it based on their own experiences. Yeah, and that, I think that's pretty cool, actually. That's really interesting. I've never act- well. I kind of you know when you know when someone says something that you go, oh, that's really obvious, and I've always known that, but no one's ever put it in a way that it's it's been explained to me before. But that whole thing of I'm I'm starting to realize like l- lately more and more that you that everyone that you the way you are and the way you act and the way people perceive you is 100% based on like your experiences and how you've experienced the world and therefore what you're given out because of that yeah. and that it's different to everyone whereas mm. I, I guess growing up I just assumed that everyone was the same and there seems to be like certain points in your life where you start to realize no everyone's not the same and everyone doesn't know the same stuff you all know different things because of yeah. because of the way you're because of your environment yeah so the fact that you put that into your art and then other people will then perceive it based on their own experiences and take a completely different thing from it. Yeah. It's like, it seems, it seems entirely obvious, but, but also not, not, not that, not, I've just never heard it simply put. Mm. Like you that. get that though, mm. not even just through your own personal experience. If you, like if you're working in film, like you are, just to use that as like a standard example for this week, but like if you put out a film, right, and it has a twist in it, where, so regardless of your own past experiences, if you, it has a twist in it that the bad guy was the good guy's father and or that they um, go back in time and play a song that's not yet been recorded, but they're playing it because they're from the future. Or the, or the, like a trope from mm. a, or a big plot spoiler from a, a film that was released in 1970 mm-hmm. and a 12-year-old watches it. They're going to think that's amazing. But then a 40-year-old watching it will be like, no, nah, it's just Star Wars. Or that's just Back to the Future. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. not even just your experiences. It's like everything that's come before you as well. Yeah. yeah. Can judge it because someone else might be like, I did not see that twist coming. That was crazy. It was, a, it was his mom. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, but that's, and if you've seen Star Wars, you're like, that's not a big deal because Darth Vader's his dad. Spoiler alert for anyone out there who's not, not seen Star Wars. Wars. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not just your own experiences. It's actually the art that you've consumed. Yeah. Or like, or maybe the art that the wider world consumes because if everyone in the world has seen Star Wars and you release something that's the same as that, it's not going to be well received, is it? Because everyone's just going to go, mm, you're just doing that. But Yeah. Like, well, because we're beyond like, just beyond being just like an individual with an individual history, you're also like, you're um, a type of person, you know, depending on mm. your maybe religious background or what community you grew up in. Yeah. So you've got that shared history and then you've got the shared history of your country and then the shared history of your oh, like yeah, generation. So actually all of those different factors come into anything that's perceived. Well, where you're being from makes a big difference, doesn't it? Yeah. Shit, I didn't even think of that. Like um, British comedies probably don't translate very well to other countries. No. Do you know what I mean? Like Faulty <laughs> Towers, definitely. Not. <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> so I, but then, but then I, I'm, I'm someone who loves that. I love like stupid British comedy, but then give me like a Seth Rogen film and I think it is the worst thing in the world. That's super American, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I mean. But then uh, I suppose you can't generalize to the American American comedy as a thing. Yeah. But that kind of comedy, that kind of stonery comedy, I'm just like, oh no, I can't do this. This is just for morons. Mm. But then for British comedy, someone else like you might look at me and be like, this is for morons. <laughs> you know, just the well, guy's it might, might not necessarily be head. like, oh, you're a moron. It just might be like, oh, I can't. I wish I found this funny. I just don't know. It's really just a hit for me. <laughs> I just yeah. don't get it. <laughs> I think for the for the intentions thing, can do you decide the intention, or is it just an intention that's just assigned to it from when you put it out by accident? Because like I feel like everything I do is I'm not meaning for it to be like this, but everything I do is just like the emo or the metalhead in me trying to get out. And I'm doing a pop song, but it's all a bit dark and a bit loud and a bit like you know. Um, intense or whatever mm. but I'm not actually doing that on purpose and that's not my intention do you know what I mean does mm. that make sense I feel like it's just something like you were saying the subconscious things of getting out and being like you know <laughs> feed me I'm here sort of thing you know like people yeah. say that they've got the fat kid inside of them I feel like I've got a little emo kid inside of me still <laughs> he's just trying but, to get but, out in but that would determine your style I guess because you might have an intention for a new song um, you know I don't, I don't know what, what sort of intention let's say you you know you guys wrote a song uh, based on a specific story or something and then your intention is to like reveal that story mm -hmm. but then obviously the way and the style you're going to do it is going to be based on your emo and your emo side yeah. yeah we can never write a happy song my nan said to me the other day she was like have you never thought about just writing something a bit happy that's <laughs> <laughs> like oh nan yeah no my mum told me the same as well she did was she like, I mean, your videos are quite dark. Like, you know, you should maybe do something happy. Um, there's too much, like, darkness in the world, which she's right about. But then again, that's what makes me um, inspired. That's yeah. what hits. You were like, screw you, mom. Yeah. This is my art. I'm going to go to my bedroom. No. <laughs> I didn't think about it. I was like, oh, yeah, maybe I should. Maybe I will at some point. But right, it's, is it, I don't know if it's the same with, like, filmmaking, but is it, do you not find it really hard to make something happy? To make something like good, mm. not it's not hard to make something happy, but it's hard to make something happy and good. 
I guess I don't think I'm going to make this a sad thing or a depressing thing. Or I mean, I don't actually necessarily think what I do is depressing. I just think a lot of people think that. But hmm. I think okay. it's just more like, I don't think I have that. In, so talking about intention, I don't think mm -hmm. I have an intention. Oh, I want to make something sad or happy. I just have more of a conceptual intention mm -hmm. or, an, or an idea. And then the way I um, create it just becomes what it is. So mm. there's not an intention to be depressing or, or sad. Uh, that's never an intention. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, things that, uh, that, uh, that you would describe as happy, like that's its main characteristic. Mm. I can't think of much apart from maybe ABBA right now <laughs> that is like, you know, revered for being super happy yeah, that's really ha i know you can get things that are kind of that are not upsetting or sad or whatever of course like i suppose queen would be quite happy no queen's but like dramatic well there you go so it's not like so i'm trying to think of stuff that's like oh it's really happy and it does well, there's really those of, well like, comedy right i mean i don't watch that much comedy but i guess like films like you know just comedy films i guess yeah but some of them happy. you're laughing at the bad stuff you know, like gross out humor or you're laughing at something bad happening to someone or cringe you know like ricky gervais is massive and something bad happens to him and you cringe but you laugh at the same time mm -hmm. i can't think of any uh i know i was gonna say the pursuit of happiness which is actually a really sad film, film. <laughs> but that's the thing even with like happy films so like if you start picking up like subject, subject matter that's just generally happy and you're like oh okay well we'll concentrate on love or you know relationships or uh, childhood or even things like that mm. that always the narrative of telling those stories is always told through an element of like darkness well you've sadness. got to have the ups and downs haven't you yeah exactly yeah. you've so got to have the down to have the up maybe that's just a, like a storytelling trope that because i've never i've never just sat there and watched a film that's just been happy from start <laughs> to finish imagine how boring that yeah. would be yeah. Well, yeah yeah it's part of the storytelling um, yeah i suppose it's the aesthetic so maybe if you were making a story that had those ups and downs, but your aesthetic was a bit more glossy, a bit more bright, then your mum wouldn't say, could you do something happier? Because it would seem happier because it's presented in that way. Mm. So it's not necessarily the story, I suppose. Mm. Like, um, what's that song by that band? <clears throat> nice one. <laughs> the um, OMD with the I song... Oh, shit. It's the name of a plane, anyway, that dropped... Um, I think it dropped chemical weapons on Imelda May. Imelda May? No, that's an artist. Yeah, that's an artist. But it sounds like that. It's like something May or something. Anyway, people know. Send right into the show if you know what the song is. But right. it's about a plane, a war plane that yeah. dropped bombs, basically. But then the song is super happy sounding. But then we had a we we had a masterclass with the guy who wrote it when we were in uni shell. Yeah. And he said that that was actually his intention was to create a happy song with a sad with sad mm -hmm. lyrics. So then again, so then it's not. I don't know. Do you reckon when? Do you reckon when you get older, um, you 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 do just get sick of like all of the teenage to mid thirty people making really depressing stuff? Because <laughs> <laughs> like with your mum being like, I used to make something happy, and my nan also doing the same thing, like. It's as if like we it's, it's as if we are so young that we're just working through all of these things that are happening in the world, and we're like, oh, just need to get these this stuff out. Yeah. Whereas when you get older, do you think you've just you've, you've experienced all that? You've seen other people experience it, and you're just kind of like, let's just all be happy now. Yeah, maybe. 
I don't yeah. know. Maybe it's a generational thing. Maybe we're just going through hard times, and yeah. that's a reflection of um, that's reflected through what people are, mm. are creating. Uh, I mean, David Lynch, like we keep bringing him up, he's like seventy odd. Yeah, Enola so Gray. There's always been depressing. Enola, Enola Gay. Enola Gay. That was it. Sorry. That's the song. Sorry, go on. <laughs> <laughs> David Lynch is seventy. That's where I ended on that last thing. No, but there are a lot of like old old artists and old. Um, you, yeah, all types of artists who, who are depressing and some are happy, I guess. Maybe yeah. we're just like aware of the depressing ones because that's what we like. Yeah, yeah what you're in your own echo chamber, yeah, right? Just, yeah, just in our own bubbles and we think everyone's the same. But And yeah. I would say it was a generational thing, but like, I feel like we live in fine times. Like we're not, you know, we're not dying of childbirth and stuff that much. <laughs> Jeez, but you no, know, we're like, actually <laughs> living in the, probably the best and, you know, the best well, in our part of the world. Yeah. In, in the yeah. best way that humans have ever lived. Yeah. If you look West. back at history and you yeah, you look at what what has happened. What people went through. Although yeah. judging by this conversation, some of the stuff that people went through you probably love. Like, yeah, I know, yeah. You were listening to that Victorian what was it, Victorian um medicine podcast yeah, or something. No, there was there was a lady on Joe Rogan's podcast oh, who that was it, yeah. she specialised in Victorian like medicine which she ends up i think calling like victorian torture, torture. medicine oh and I think it was, that was basically just to get clicks, it, it was basically before we had anything like anesthetic or anything like that and the the way that they would the way that they would conduct surgeries was in like a, a viewing hall with like loads of people around them and people would put bets on how quickly the surgeon could saw off your arm Hmm. yeah so like if you if you think about that and what we've come from you're like actually i live in a pretty nice time yeah absolutely but i'm not writing a song about the fact that it's really good that i can go into a surgery room and have a nice quiet surgery with a very yeah. well-respected surgeon yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. i mean you could i guess i read a ballad or something yeah, yeah. i mean how many songs I sp- uh, there's a, there is an artist or a musician or someone who's come out and said that like there you know no one writes songs about how happy they are no one wants to hear that yeah i can't remember who that was but they yeah i do know that yeah it's a thing isn't it Quote, yeah it's like no one wants to listen to a song like i mean maybe every so often you want to listen to like i'm so excited Mr. or i'm Brick. walking on sunshine Not, or something like that yeah. yeah but don't you ever have that like so when you put music on uh, i obviously listen to music a lot when i'm editing and or like you know just to put yourself in the mood it's really important right yeah it just like kind of determines how you feel yeah. on a daily basis and sometimes you are kind of choosing the, you know, darker stuff. I mm. often do like, I don't know, like ambienty kind of, yeah, just kind of sad things. But then there's some days where I'm like, okay, if I do this to myself, it's just going to make me, mm. <laughs> it's not going to make me feel good. Yeah. I should listen to something happy. Yeah. I suppose. Or like uplifting. And then that kind of changes your day. So I guess maybe there are some happier things. Yeah. I just can't. I mean, is the, is the, is the, I mean, maybe with music, maybe I'm a little bit skeptical as well, but with music, it could be the 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 real or the, you you identify the depressing stuff as like art whereas the happiest stuff you could probably define as a product and be like oh, it's just the pop song that makes you happy and dance and there you go that's there you go you're buying into that i don't know i feel like we i feel like going back to what you said before i feel like we us it's just us us three yeah are in a bit of an our own echo chamber. Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily agree with that statement. It's just a thought. Yeah, because I think, you know, there is definitely loads of people who write really happy stuff and it is seen as art. I'd probably... Like McFly. Yeah, I'd probably, oh. like, maybe say it's more uplifting than happy. Yeah. Like if you look at, like, artists like Florence and Machine, she does definitely write a lot of, like, you know, 
it's very melancholy melancholy there's not a lot of if you listen to it it's really uplifting and really powerful and Mm. you know makes you want to be really happy and jump about and that's her whole yeah thing yeah i guess it depends what we actually mean by happy yeah yeah you know yeah maybe that's just too much of a like broad term to use to like to define I mean, it we all. kind of know what we're talking about but then you know what you're just saying about florence then maybe actually we just have to cut it down yeah into, like different categories yeah exactly yeah. um one thing that i think is really cool about or one thing that i've that i've thought about that i think could be really cool is that as a musician so maybe not as a singer because your instrument is your voice right so it's part of your body already mm-hmm. but as a as a as a musician who needs an instrument you are a kid you see something or someone who inspires you and then you're like oh i want a guitar or i want a drum kit i want a piano i want a trumpet whatever so you get it and then you start just doing what you can on it you get maybe some lessons or whatever but generally you're just sort of muddling your way through it and then eventually you become a musician and you end up making a career out of it is that the same in like filmmaking and photography and that kind of domain and maybe even being like a fine artist or a painter where you see something maybe a film or a piece of art that you that inspires you and then you're like i need that tool that then can help me mm. yeah know, how get did on you... the way path you know because as a guitarist you get your shitty argos guitar first that is like this piece of shit that's like 30 quid and then you get a little amp and then you maybe get your little effects and you start like building up this thing until eventually you get you, you then you get your guitar that's more expensive and because you earned it and like does that happen with a filmmaker or did that happen yeah, with you? Definitely. I mean I think that happens probably in all forms of art, right? Because you usually don't just f- I mean, unless you're like very rich and you get the best guitar in the world first <laughs> and then you've got like yeah. private lessons. No, I don't know, but I think like most of the time you would get you know, like you would probably as a filmmaker for example for example, you would probably have an interest in taking pictures or having using your parents camera when you're younger or maybe as a teenager you develop that mm. then you obviously maybe you can't you, know, you can't afford or maybe you don't even know about what's good and what's not because mm. you still have to figure things out so maybe you would yeah. buy um just like a cheap camera and then you'd go so far and then you'd realize oh what the limitations of that are yeah which is i guess it's the same for a guitar or something yeah, to yeah. A point. and you'd yeah. you know invest more and then you'd also figure out more tricks on it and then you'd be like oh i can do more tricks with yeah. that new model or if I use it in a different way. Yeah. Can um, you remember your first, can you remember what, the, your first moment of being like, ah, oh, I want to do that? Not really. I think it's difficult because I also don't have like a typical background as a filmmaker because I started quite late. Mm. Um, but I do remember just using, I mean, I always enjoyed having my little camera when I was a kid, but it was just like a picture camera mm. Yeah. Um, that I'd take around. But I think as a, I like using my dad's Super 8 camera. He always had a Super 8 That's camera cool, on. So, yeah. I, you know, I love if I was allowed to because film is expensive. Yeah. Mm. Um, but then it was just using DSLRs from friends, really. And then playing around with that. Yeah. Uh, film. And film, for anyone who's listening, is a thing that you put into it. No, really. <laughs> <laughs> it's the thing that you put into your iPhone to make it go on the camera. <laughs> uh yeah, so me, but it started with like borrowing cameras from people and then I was like, okay, I really need to get my own. So I got my own and then it was like, mm. I realized it was actually not that great. So, and then I wanted to get a better one, mm. got a tiny bit better one and I sold that and then I got a better one. Yeah, <laughs> to be fair, thinking about it, that probably happens with dancers and stuff as well because you get like, what, like a certain amount of like ballet shoes or something like that. Mm. And the only one I can't think of something where you get the tool and that tool 
starts building you up is acting. It's got to be tough, isn't it, to just be like to get because when you get these these upgrades of these tools, it feels like you're being legitimized as you do it. You know yeah. what I mean? You're like I'm at a certain point, so I'm going to get this now. But you can't. Do you get that as an actor? Yeah, but that act- acting lies in the same realm, surely, as like songwriting. You can't really. It's like it's not something that you can kind of. I mean, it's something that you can learn, but it's very the, 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 the concept of being taught how to songwrite or being mm. taught how to be an actor is a very controversial subject, isn't it? And no, people to, don't know whether it's best to go to a school to learn that kind of thing yeah. or whether you can just do it through your own like learned ways. Yeah, but, but then often also I think you know like i think we've we're also kind of trapped by like the market of you know for instance cameras they always get better cameras out yeah. Yeah. and i always tell myself well great films have been made on like previous cameras mm-hmm. and that doesn't make them less good just because the new model's out yeah. mm-hmm. and i don't like falling in that trap because you can just spend a lot of money all the time buying new stuff and thinking you don't have the best equipment to make a film and actually yeah. you can make I've, i mean i'm because i've always got very low budgets to do anything i've i always make films on whatever i have really and i think you actually don't really have to have the latest equipment. I mean, you you mm. you do want to use different types of equipment. I think that changes because you, as I said, like you have limitations and you want to, um, you want to learn more and like use more functions, maybe. Yeah. But at the end of the day, but just keeping up to date, uh, keeping up to date with that like yearly new camera from that brand. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you get if you get really good at owning what you know then surely that's just as good as mm. somebody who's like keeping up to date with the tech yeah. and just like getting a new thing yeah. every year. Do you know what I mean? Whereas if you're specialized in what you do and you make that your thing, yeah. it doesn't matter whether you like keep yeah. up to date with that market thing. I guess it depends. Yeah. Well, you know, it depends on everyone and what, mm. what their, what their purpose is for, for mm. their films. But. Yeah. There's like romance, isn't there? In like a, an older like tool. So there like is. an old fifties guitar is a lot more romantic than, what a 2019 reissue you know but also no one wants to edit an actual film shot film <laughs> well yeah more difficult yeah. well also you just need a bigger budget just simple yeah, economics of things like if you want to make if you want to make art like often all my films i just want to make films and i don't want to have to wait to get funding and find like yeah all this money and all the equipment and then you know hire the right person yeah to edit for example a film film then um you just want to get on with your with your art, and if you wait, you're just not going to make anything. That's my point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then you just use what you have, and actually, those limitations are often really good because it just means you <laughs> you have less choices to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose what we have these days as well is is the best that it's ever been. Like yeah, you know, like in that room where, that we're opposite where we're recording, there's studio equipment and stuff like that. Whereas like you know, back in the, like like I've got Logic there, digital software. You know, back in the day, digital software didn't even exist, let alone That's having crazy. it at home. You know, to think about that is mental. Yeah, you know, I, I, I can't, I can't really comprehend it. What it's like, what it was like to not have digital software, and like you see these old pictures of an entire orchestra sat in front of. It wasn't even a microphone. I think it was like a gramophone kind of thing. You know, just taking in the sound, and they had to. To the point where, like, they had to put their brass things at the back because that was that's the things that made the most sound. So you need, to, you know, to, to level them out with the flutes. The flutes need to be right at the at the front. And yeah. I was like, ah, oh, that's, that's like that is 
to think about that is so stressful. Yeah. But also, actually, sometimes it's it's super stressful, right? You're like, oh my god, that must have been so much work, and you admire the work which has, which was done in the past mm-hmm. even more. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And you're like, whoa, that was genius. And then you're like, okay, so it's reason more to push myself more because I've got it quite easy with yeah. all the technology yeah, we have, really like, even easy. cameras, you know, and. You can really, that's what I was saying, you can really do, like, I think a lot of films on, on very low budget and, like, with, or or push yourself, I don't know, you can do great things, actually. If they've done great things with little, with very little equipment, then we can do great things with mm. all of this equipment. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah well, I was listening to a song exploder today with, um, I, can't, I can't pronounce his name, but I can, the composer that did the Black Panther theme tune. Mm. And he was talking about, he went to Africa for, like, three weeks, or might have even been longer than that. Um just to soak up the culture, the musical culture especially, mm-hmm. for that film. And he's talking about how he they found a studio there or whatever or rented out a studio and he would just go and t- talk to local people in the area and then invite them down if they played these particular African instruments. And he got them in and he got this one bloke in who's playing this mad flute thing. I c- couldn't tell you what it's called. Um, and he's playing it, he records him to play it and then the guy sort of goes mad afterwards and starts like screaming and doing this like African like chanting that was totally un, you know, planned. Um, and the way that he was explaining it, I'm not like maybe he gave him a score to play from, but it doesn't sound like he did. And he just took it back to him and just incorporates that into his score. And it's mad that you could just be like, oh, I went to Africa, recorded this, just totally random and then I can just bring it back and I can manipulate it in the software to just fit the score for this yeah, blockbuster yeah, yeah. movie. Yeah. It's crazy. And then he, you hear the raw recording of this guy playing this flute and then going nuts and just doing this chanting. And then, which was, again, like I say, totally unplanned. And then you listen to the, they play the song at the end and you can hear that in the song and he's like manipulated it slightly so it fits the, the right key and tempo and stuff. But you can just hear it and it's just mind-blowing. Yeah, that Imagine you can actually do that and it's not already scripted. Yeah. Because you can just be like, oh well, it doesn't quite fit, but I'll just, just I'll just throw it in. I'll just like yeah. I'll just move it about a little bit just to <laughs> yeah, <laughs> proper <well>, chill. <laughs> yeah, I wonder well, probably a lot of things have been made like that. It'd be interesting to like no, because yeah. then they're over analyze and be like, Oh, that was planned like that. Yeah. For this reason. Actually, and then it probably no. wouldn't sound anywhere near as good no. if you'd done no. that. No. <laughs> no. Some, well sometimes, yeah, like just not planning things can be really beautiful, but then you can't um You'll never be able to, even if you would replan that unplanned moment, you would probably never like reach that perfection. Yeah. yeah. It's like when you throw something and it hits like, I did it once. Do you remember, was it was in uni where we lobbed that tennis ball or whatever it was and it turned the <laughs> light off and you were like, <laughs> holy shit. And we're like, we have to do that again. Never. We, and never we never did it. No, never. Oh, I forgot all about that. That's so satisfying. That's just yeah. elevated me. <laughs> Point blank on that light switch. I have, um, I have a question. What, so no. So when you um, like when you first started, and you were like, oh, "I'm just gonna play around with this, like film and different stuff, and see what I like and see what I don't like and stuff." What what what? Like first of all, two questions, I guess. One was, how did you get to the point where you were like, "No, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this," or what what was it that made you happy being like, "No, I'm gonna this is what I'm gonna settle on. I like doing this bit," and also what is like what? Do you, what's your favorite thing to shoot? What do you enjoy doing, as opposed to oh, I've got this job and I've got to do this thing? If you if you had like an unlimited amount of money and someone was like go and go and make a project, what would you invest time in? Um, your your first question you meant in terms of making films or what? Yeah, so like what 
this the style that you've kind of come to. I know you said it was kind of like a, a bit unconscious, but what made you settle on that style, although it was an unconscious kind of decision? There's surely there was some kind of development in there that you're like, I'm gonna take this road because this is what I enjoy. Guess it guess it kind of comes down to influences and things like that again. Or yeah, I mean, I I started making films. Um, thinking I w- wanted to make documentaries, uh, well, which I still do, kind of, but um, not mostly not. Most of my things are, are not documentaries. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I don't think I'm. S- I've got. I wouldn't say I'm settled in my style. I mean, who knows? It might. It might. It will probably change. Okay. And that's. I have no idea actually. I mean, maybe I am settled. I don't really know. Mm-hmm. I guess you never really know until you start the next thing, and then I think just the current mood you're in and what you've been through personally and who you're working with kind of determines all those factors kind of determine what it's become and become. But That's I guess nice. then obviously if you, with hindsight and when you take a step back, you can um, see common threads between projects yeah. and then I guess you can, you know, see someone's taste and then yeah. reasons for filming in a certain way or in, other, in another. But it's refreshing to be open to that. Yeah, yeah. A I lot think of people you speak to are like, "Oh, I do this, and I do this because of this." Whereas you're like, "Nah, it's just an I think it's a born, cycle." <laughs> yeah, and I think like that's part of the discovery as an artist. Like, you want to. I mean, I keep on thinking I need to figure out what I'm doing. Yeah, and I think asking yourself that question for your whole life is probably important because you kind of want to challenge yourself constantly mm-hmm. and ask yourself like, "Why am I? Why is everything always this, in the same mood? Or you know, why is it always a little bit gray? Like what?" Mm. And then if you challenge yourself and try something else and then you're like, oh, maybe that actually works better. And that's because you've questioned yourself. You mm-hmm. like constantly doubt doubt yourself. I suppose you have that when you first start as well. You know, you're like, you're asking, when do you know when when you want to do it? Mm-hmm. I don't think, like from personal experience, I don't think you ever did know or, or a lot of artists wouldn't know. It's Can't just, it's just it. all of a sudden one day someone comes and says, so, so you're going to leave high school soon. What are you going to do? And you're like, uh, oh, I'm doing that, aren't I? Like that's the thing, you know, like for or like music or whatever it is. You're like, I don't. I just carry on doing that. It's not like a conscious decision of being like, oh, when high school's over, I'm gonna be a musician. You just kind of go, well, I hadn't, didn't think about it because I'm pretty sure I was just going down that road. Or does or did people not do that? Did you have oh, like a point? I didn't where do that. Like, no. <laughs> no, because when I finished school, I studied law. So um, oh, you should. Oh, you went for it. So I, and I did finish it and then I, and I was always um, seeing a lot of art anyway since I'm little and, yeah. you know, interested in making films. So it wasn't surprising, but then I, it was actually a conscious decision of wow. like, okay, I'm actually going to make films because I really want, need yeah. to, it was like an urge uh, and it was very instinctive. Wow. So in that sense, actually, I don't really know that experience and sometimes I envy people who, who were 18 and said, I'm going to go to film school or something because I didn't go through that path at all. Mm. But then yeah, again. but that's, that's in a way, I'm kind of envious of that in the sense that you made a very conscious decision at a very conscious like age to be like, no, I'm being drawn to this and I need to explore it and yeah. take that path. Whereas sometimes you feel like when you've made those decisions when you've been younger, it's because you've enjoyed those things when you've been younger. So therefore that was just it was just natural for you to just be like, well, that's where I'm going to go. But you, so you've never really had chance to explore anything else, you know, but then to, to get to an age where you're like, you know, you're not like a hormonal 
teenager and you're you're quite a conscious person still you know albeit still still not knowing about the world or whatever but you're you're very conscious in what you know and what you want yeah and then to be like no i'm gonna change i'm gonna make decisions change because i'm being drawn to that i think that is i don't know that's more interesting yeah that's kind of that's like what you know because we that you've sort of done or i assume you've sort of done what that kind of question that we always ask people or like that we always talk to people about where like if you could if you knowing what you know now what would and you could pick where to be successful in whatever you wanted to be what would you be successful in so like would you carry on down this path um and like so like if i had my time again i'd be a marine biologist shall it be like a mermaid or something so <laughs> you but you kind of did that where you were like oh, i'm gonna be a lawyer and then you were like nah, no i'm not and the fact that you actually finished you saw that through as well. So it wasn't like you got halfway through and you were like, oh no, I hate this. I want to do something else. It was like, you saw that all through to the end and then was like, okay, I'm going to take a different avenue now. Yeah. Cause it was, it was I found it really interesting uh, yeah. studying that. I like, I liked it. It's just like when you start working and you realize that you, it's just like very instinctive and you feel like that's not my place. Like someone, yeah. I could do this my whole life. Like probably most people do, but I'm, someone else can do it as well for me. And oh, I've just got to do something else because this is not my place. It's like if you enter a room and you're wearing a mask and like you're like not you're not fitting with the rest of the people and you kind of feel that. Yeah, yeah you're walking you're into like, a courtroom oh. in a mask. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, maybe who that's the hell is this girl in a mask? <laughs> maybe that's not a good example, but you know, it's just like it's a perfect example. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, I think oh. it's good to listen to yourself in these moments. I have that with like teaching. So like I do some teaching, or well, actually not. Yeah, I still do some teaching, and I just not only do I hate going every week when i'm there i'm just like what am i here for and then i have when i did a lot more of it when i just left uni i was like i've got to do this i've got to do this for the rest of my life and that was the first time i'd ever had something dawn upon me and go the rest of your life (laughs) like how like this infinite seemingly infinite thing ahead of me but then if you know with music like i said before it's just like oh that's just what i'm doing I'm not I don't even think about it being for the rest of my life it's just that's just what I do and who I am so I've never had that apart from when you explore those questions where you just mess it around and chatting about stuff and be like oh you know I'd love to have been a marine biologist or whatever or an astronaut or whatever I kind of just go oh, I've that's it that's just what that's that's what I do yeah, so you, you have, don't explore that other option never I never have mm. but I think that's a bit that the the way you said oh you know like asking these questions to yourself and understanding these questions yourself I get the impression that that's for you only because I we've chatted about like your upbringing and things like that I think for you that's very that seems quite relevant of your upbringing because it seemed quite I don't know correct me wrong but it seems quite like an open like you you moved a lot which was we were saying that was probably a good thing you got lots of experiences you know you're you had like a good family unit and it just seems like your your experiences have all been quite open. So then for you to be able to look into yourself and be like, what do I need? What do I want? I need to understand this from myself. Mm. That just seems indicative. Is that the right word of that kind of upbringing as well? Yeah, probably. Which is quite nice. Yeah. I mean, I think you're, you're right in the sense that um, I think like moving around a lot and, you know, having like a strong family unit and like, just feeling good with yourself as a, as a child helps. But then I, 
you know, I did go through like a big struggle when I made that decision. It wasn't like mm. easy. It was actually like really mm. difficult, yeah. Yeah. a difficult time um, for me because you, you feel like you're in the middle. You're like, you feel like you're kind of in the dark and you don't know what you're doing. And, yeah. right. and uh, taking, you know, changing lifestyle is a huge risk. Yeah, yeah of Especially to become an artist is like, okay, well, you're not going to make any, any, you know, you, you know, how are you going to survive? Yeah. Just basically how are you yeah, going like, to pay your rent from coming from a place where you could just get a salary and be comfortable. Mm. but then intellectually you're like on a like passionate level that's completely empty and yeah. that doesn't make you happy yeah so actually it's interesting because in, in a way yes it was like from a happy place but then at the same time like i was struggling a lot at that time and i think the decision was difficult to make yeah but yeah. i guess like any Absolutely. decision is difficult right <laughs> but does that make you appreciate it more now right because when i when we get disheartened with with working in creative industries we're you know we get like you know, you spit your dummy out and just be like, oh, this is, you know, nothing's paying off or whatever, or this person's getting this thing and I'm not getting that thing. Whereas for you, because you made the decision to make the swap, does that make you just grateful that you're living as this all the time? Or do you still have those moments? Yeah, I guess you're, I guess, yeah, I guess just happy Mm. having made that choice. So why don't you make happy films? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, it make it make it's not that it doesn't make me happy. I am yeah. happy. So. This is how I express See, myself, thing, mom. See, this is the thing with you. You, I, we, we talk about these people that you meet every now and then who just on the and I, I don't know whether this is true as well. I have no idea, but they just seem like they've got their shit together, and that doesn't necessarily mean that like yeah, you're one of them people. Yeah, that doesn't necessarily mean that like you've got you've got a job where you've got like health insurance. So I don't mean shit together in in terms of the physical. You may or may not have that, but I just mean like as a person, it's like you you just seem like you've got it together. You're like no, I just know me. And I know what I need. <laughs> and like, I know how to navigate my situations and that's fine. Whereas I look at myself and if I look inwards, like... Oh yeah, don't look in, don't don't look that way. Turn around, look inside outwards. Inside my head is just like mass explosions going off at all moments. And, I, and then I look at someone like you, you're just like, this is okay. The world is okay. Yeah. And we can assess the world and then we can move forwards in an appropriate way. There are a few people you know like I mean? that. Just someone you look at and you go, you've got your shit together yeah that's how you come across to me well, it's nice to to know that i mean i do feel like i have my shit together but um like yeah i know what i'm doing <laughs> no but, no but like in a in in a certain way but i mean what i meant is that i think in interest introspection is really important like yeah. getting just on any basis like on a bodily level you know knowing yeah. what foods you like which like work well for you mm. yeah so you don't have like um illnesses or whatever but then also on a like human level like who you want to hang out with because mm-hmm. that's good for you and like what you do because that makes you happy um but what i wanted to say was there are a lot of explosions in my mind yeah, okay <laughs> all the time yeah um, but i try to like balance that out to like my aim is always to like feel like i've got my shit together mm. so maybe that's why you feel that but yeah probably you, but then you have to deal with all these explosions and all the mess that happens yeah, yeah. which is normal i guess that's just human see um, e- even that answer was a very i've got my shit together answer <laughs> Yeah. Well, she started it by saying, yeah, I've got my, I've got shit, my shit together. together so, yeah. of course it was. You know who's another one who's like that? Andrew Wild Goose, who oh. was on an early episode of the podcast. Totally you got speak shit to together. that guy. He's a friend of mine from back home. And you're just like, you, you just, just, you know. Yeah, there's even like, there's even something like mildly intimidating about how much he seems like he's got his shit together. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a weird energy that you just, I don't know. 
like some people just put, like omit don't they and part of me would love to give off that energy <laughs> i really get, would but you get other people who when you meet them you're like whoa you're a wreck i can't be around you you're yeah. like a rickety staircase you definitely had some shit going there's a te- there's a there's there's a there's a person who i work with and she's the most wonderful person in the world but when the moment you speak to her it's like you instantly, and she, she's like so emotional and so lovely, and I love her to bits. But she's it, you instantaneously get this feeling of like you've been through some shit, and you've like you're still working through it. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Um, and she says that as soon as she meets you, that's one of the, like as soon as she meets you, she'll be like talking about all of these things that have happened in her past and how she's grown from them. So I guess that's it, an inkling. That's a beautiful thing to say as well because like mm. we do, and I mean, I also I think amongst human beings, like we have to help each other out, right? Because mm. some people we're all good at different things and like that's what we like complement each other and yeah. that's what's like beautiful about friendship or like you know whatever kind of like you relationship amongst human beings is like helping each other out in different ways yeah so thank god we're all different that's nice yeah, yeah there's so something manic about those other people that's unsettling yeah alex is really just not and, I, and i'm not sure totally if it's i'm not sure if it's because it's quite opposite to me or it's because because you've got your shit together person <laughs> no <laughs> because i'm like because I'm, I can be quite subdued day to day, and then only when I'm more comfortable with people would I become more a flamboyant or whatever. But so I can't tell if it's that the subdued thing being like, ah, oh, get away from me, or if it's the the more <laughs> flamboyant side that from when I'm more comfortable being around something that's too similar to itself. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like when you meet a do- like in the films when they meet their doppelganger, and that's like the worst thing. For, for them as a person or whatever and mm. they react bad i don't know if that's that's me doing that yeah maybe and then be like whoa no this no, you can't bring this out of me because if i'm around you for too long I'm i'll do be that, like as, that well. as well i know what you mean but yeah. then i also i uh, inspired from uh this book i read which i really like called um steppen uh, i don't know how you say it in english steppenwolf from hermann hesse german okay. author yeah um and you know there's a part in there that where he says like we're not just we often think we're you know torn between being two people so kind of like what you were saying mm. and i often think like that as well you kind of like try and balance yourself out and you're like oh now i'm the social person and now i'm the mm. quiet person or right yeah. but actually oh, actually like he says like we're a million we're an infinity amount of people yeah and it's okay like we keep on like changing and like yeah. it's it's fine because we're not like one person we're made up of all our of all our memories and all all the little things we've learned in the past and the people mm. we've met and the reactions we've had that's yeah. all the people we are and family family you know in your dna things yeah. like that that you've inherited that really speaks to me i it's, need to read this book Antonio yeah, you looks some really lawyer do. by day yeah filmmaker by night <laughs> no infinity people that's what you have to be just like yeah. you can just be a lot of different people Ooh. sorry <laughs> infinity people that is a nice yeah saying. that's cool yeah it's a good uh, band name right yeah it yeah. really is infinity people well that is I a cool that. band name it is don't oh shit maybe cut that bit out of the podcast and yeah steal no. it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you maybe you can turn it into an album name yeah infinity yeah. people or a or a film a film actually like 24 hour party people you have infinity okay people. so um in going back to making a film and i asked you before like okay so you've got you've got unlimited budget and like this is what you want to do this is what makes you happy what do you do that's really difficult it is it is Um, but let's say you get put on a project tomorrow where they're just like go 
I don't know. I don't think I can answer that because I'm actually, <laughs> I need to, de to develop a project at the moment. So I'm, um, the way I'm, um, what did I say? At the moment, not tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I develop him on tomorrow. Actually, <laughs> I just thought if I said that, that's not going to make any sense. Um, no, I, I'm need, I'm developing a project at the moment um, for a film, kind of like a commission for a film. And mm. the way I work for these things is that I, I mean, I don't really. I mean, I have in the past had like specific ideas. I'm mm. like, okay, I have to make a film about this, but I feel like I'm not working like that anymore. I'm, mm. I'm more like. I'm going to read a lot about a certain subject. Right. And then I'm going to draw inspiration from that. Okay. So And then I'm going to develop something based on that. Right. Okay. So. So you're not like specific in the way that you work in terms of like, you're like, this is, well, no, you, I mean, I mean, I guess you said that before, didn't you? That you're always developing. And I guess that's what, yeah, that's, that's why you seem so together because you can't pin you down to an answer. <laughs> you're just like, no, it's all ever developing. So <laughs> Yeah, that was like on the way up to the film shoot when Sindra, the actor in the film, was a bit pissed, wasn't he? Oh, He's a Norwegian this was, guy. This was the and best moment. And he was all oh. a bit pissed and we were talking about Brexit and shit yeah. like that. And he was like, where are you from? And you were from, you were like, I'm from this place, this place and this place. And he was like, yeah, but where are you from? And you were like, well, I don't really identify with any of them because I've moved around. And he was like, but you have to be from somewhere. And you were like, no, I don't think I'm Watching that, like, in, like that exchange between you two was the and he, best And he's like so Norwegian, yeah. isn't he? Like, yeah. that's what he is. He is a Norwegian. Oh, I'm used to that because I've got, I do have the German part of me, so... I, I'm used to like the kind of like harsh, straightforward, like, harsh, mm. harsh answer. Yeah. So yeah. I guess that that you made it even funnier it for so you guys. Well, it really <laughs> did. Like, it was just normal for me, but I guess for you guys, it was like, oh, who are these two people yeah. like, having a fight behind? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like literally met maybe 15 minutes ago in the back of a car and like just getting into this really intense conversation yeah. about where you're from. I didn't even realize that was a. Um, that you guys were listening so intently. So that makes it actually quite funny. It was a real <laughs> highlight for me, I'll be honest. It was funny. I'd never thought about it though, because I just, you know, I just, I, I don't know. I never thought about identifying as a nationality or anything. Yeah. But then for you to be like, um, kind of a bit of this, bit of that, bit of the other, I was like, oh shit. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, I suppose I identify as English. But I never thought about it before. And I was like, oh, that's rubbish. <laughs> I don't want to identify as English. That's so boring. And, like, you were, you were so good. You just would not be pinned down. Yeah. No matter, and he was trying so hard to pin you down. You were just like, no. Nope. I want to be identified as I'm Jedi. I'm not from anywhere. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? No. Oh. Um, um, oh, but yeah. I, was, oh, Ooh, yeah. I know where oh. you're going to go next. Okay. And just before you get there. Because <laughs> um, we've like, we, we, we dipped our toe very deep very briefly into chatting about the film but i specifically didn't want to chat about the film because it's you know it's well, it's, far, it's far away yeah. for us at the moment so it's probably not gonna be out till like september time not that far um, yeah not that far but for people who, who yeah, are our listening, listeners are like goldfish yeah very far. <laughs> <laughs> um, so i i think we should definitely do another one when the film's being released to mm. kind of like Debrief, debrief that process yeah absolutely and chat about it and get, in, yeah, get, you know, get, get into, into it the then nitty -gritty and talk about that. the process yeah that, yeah. that would be great a, it was pretty mad wasn't it so it'd be yeah, cool it was to, to, to it was good the, like, the end part was very mad da -da. yeah September. that was like a teaser for a trailer you know there's like little like three second teasers you get before a trailer it's like I don't need a teaser for the trailer yeah um should we move on to the first segment yes go for it so I'll drop the jingle in here do you do out by Oasis? Why don't you just go on the Is there any chance you can sound more Ed like a What's your plan B? Plan B. Plan B. Oh. Oh. Door, door, door. Yeah, you never sound like
This one is called What is Jack going to do when he's finished with the drums? And our friend Jack in university, his grandparents always used to ring his parents and say to him, oh, so what's Jack going to do when he's finished with the drums? Not realising that Jack, you know, was studying to be a drummer and that's what he's probably going to do for the rest of his life now it's not just like <laughs> yeah. oh, what, what's Jack going to do when he's finished with the drums oh he's having fun on them drums for a while but what's he going to do when he's finished yeah. so basically um the segment is about funny situations that you or not even funny but just like situations that you encounter that are specific to what you do that not the wider public or the wider you know thing of people I don't know what I'm trying to say Muggles, that muggles Mugg- wouldn't know That about. muggles wouldn't understand. So, for example, um, we, we we always use the one of, like, when we're playing them background bar gigs I was telling you about. Someone will always come up and ask for something like Oasis. And I'm like, look at me. Do I look like I sing Oasis? So that's, like, a constant thing. And then Ben says when he will, like, edit a video and then someone will throw an Instagram filter on it or something afterwards. And you're like, oh. Just like funny little quirks that yeah. happen within your industry. No pressure though. No you can't pressure. Can't think of anything. That's fine. I've got these one. These are stacking up in my life at the moment. They are. <laughs> I I've got one actually. Do you want to start? I'm going to start. Or have you got something, Antonia? No, go on, start. Okay, go on. I'm going to start because mine was actually quite funny. <laughs> What's this? So I was we had a gig the other day and I encountered the lady in the toilet in the in the women's toilet. Yeah. And. She, I just finished playing. We just finished the set, and I was in the toilet. And she come in, and she was like really abrupt, but in a very nice way. And she was like, "You're very good." I was like, "Oh, <laughs> thanks, thank you." And then she was like, um, "Oh no, she didn't say it like that." She she went, she went, "You're very good. You charge much." <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> okay, I don't know how to navigate that conversation. It's like a toilet know. full of people. Yeah, it's like I don't know. They're like yeah, fat nil. <laughs> I was like, uh, and I, I guess I, I answered it in just like the most diplomatic way you could. And I was like, oh, it depends on, you know, the project or whatever we were doing. Um, yeah. Depends on what kind of gig it is. There's a lot of variants because I was very aware that this, I'm not going to get a booking from this woman in, in, in the in the toilet. So I don't actually t- need to go on about prices. Yeah. So she's like, oh, oh, you know, it differs, differs. And she's like, right. Okay. She was like, yeah, so, so you're very good. So you're a singer. And I was like, Yeah. Mm. yeah you just saw that she was like oh okay so why aren't you a professional singer (laughs) and I I stood there for a minute and I was like okay how do I answer this should have gone super deep on it and make her feel uncomfortable yeah but she was so direct and I was taken so off guard and I guess I just answered back really quick like just like instinctively and I was like well I am and she was like are you and I was like yeah I th- which made me kind of question myself. And I was oh. like, I mean, well, I, I do this for a living. So I mm. guess I am, yeah. And then she was like, okay, so you've got CDs then. And I was like, <laughs> right, okay, so that's what constitutes a professional Well, yeah, because what, what do people define as professional? And, and, yeah. That's the thing, which she made me like question my own self first. But all she was basically saying was, you know, are you, uh, why, why are you not, not an X Factor person who's got CDs out? Oh, yeah, yeah. But it was just the way she was so direct at me. I was like, whoa, is she do I need to question myself? Like, are we going to have a proper conversation about this? That and then she was just me. like, oh, so you've got CDs then. I was like, um, like uh, no. I have 
digital formats of CDs. <laughs> That's what you mean. I uh, that reminds me of your uh, what is he to you? Family member. Mm. Um, not, he's not. I don't think he's even that. Who once said he was a professional driver when he's a taxi driver. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it was like, what'd you do? He's like, I'm a professional driver. He's like, well. You're not wrong. <laughs> I suppose you are a professional driver. But, but... you're not necessarily right either. Yeah. <laughs> not sure you can define it as that. Put it on your CV. Yeah. But like with, with the professional singer thing, does, does she... <laughs> her asking you how much you charge, mm. well, that makes you a professional singer. Well, that's what we really... Because conf- being professional means you earn a living off it, right? You your your soul living off it. Yeah, I think she just didn't really know. The whole what. interchange was... incredibly confusing me and ben pinned it down to the fact that what she means by professional singer is um uh no uh, someone who makes their own music yeah yeah so she was just like having she didn't she basically had you know a restricted vocabulary yes she's professional in in that way yeah and didn't realize that was her perception of professional yeah yeah but you should have just asked her what you mean by professional, I guess. But I guess in the situation that just brought all your artistic doubts out and you were like, oh, am I really shit? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it wasn't even that. It was like, I don't, I think had I have answered this lady back with what you mean by professional, the, the exchange just wouldn't, I, I don't know. I, I didn't feel like it called for that question at the time. I, did, I feel like it just called for a quick answer and get out. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So it was like, I feel like I just needed to nod and agree and then walk away as soon as I could. I really didn't want to get into a debate about what's professional with this lady. <laughs> However, if you would have asked me that question, I probably would have talked that through. Mm. But it didn't seem like I was going to get any logic from that situation yeah. anyway. So I was like, I'm just going to say what I can really quick and then just leave. Well, you sort of go into customer mode. I have yeah. that a lot when people say stuff to you and they are a potential client or customer. You kind of go into this like ultra polite mode, mm. don't you? You don't just act like yourself. You go all weird. It's like, do you remember that person who was talking to us? We just like, and we, it was just some like, like normal covers gig in Kensington where you get paid like a hundred quid or something. Like nothing major. It wasn't. It was just this random Thursday night or something. Mm. And they come over and they're asking you about stuff and like, how much do you charge? And if you don't mind me asking, and we're like, oh well, this is this much, but other things are this much, and other things are. You know, some things are higher, some things are lower, and and they were like, "You uh, and it, uh, like for our highest fee that we charge." They were like, mm. "Is that it? You should be." They were American, by the way. I'm not just putting on the accent. They were like, "You should be charging." What was it? It was like fifteen hundred per person per show, and it was like, uh. "We're hang on, we're like, you know." And and, and as a normal, like my normal conversation would be like, "Are you stupid? Look at where we are. <laughs> we're sat on a couple of like." crappy chairs in front of this restaurant full of people who aren't even listening to us we're not charging 1500 a gig the pa's already here my guitar hasn't been restrung for fucking three weeks like <laughs> but then my customer person was like mm, yeah well maybe you're right i mean it seems like quite a lot if well, thanks you think we're good enough that yeah. we're you know I'm like, but why do i do why did you do that? do that is that just or is that just me but it was it was it was more the the, the interchange after that where she was like Okay, say it back to me. How much do you charge? And I was like... That's a bit patronizing as well. 1500 yeah. And she's like, exactly. And that's what you say to everybody from now on. And More confidence. Like, 
what leave that's, me alone that's kind of like a um, very american attitude yeah which you know why not but also like pubs probably don't have that money to pay yeah and even like venues don't have that many m- that money to pay yeah 1500 per person for an acoustic duo to play anyway yeah um have you got has anything that comes to mind i feel like we may have done um something you guys have like much more fun much funner stories to tell than i do really but so. i feel like we may have done something that you could be one of yours one hundred percent. We always do something to everyone. That is one of the funny yeah. things that they get. What do you mean? Like, like when Ben was like, "Oh, people putting Instagram filters on like a video that I'll make for them," and I was like, "I totally did that at one point. Sorry yeah. about that." All right. Well, I mean, I have something similar which I could use. I like. Yeah, yeah. Go on. I've got. So I mean, I just, I just don't think it's such a big thing. I don't think it's that interesting. But I'm still gonna. Say <laughs> yeah, go for it. It's just like one thing which which can be a bit frustrating as um. Actually, as any artist, really, but mm. as uh, me making films, if I'm, um, if I make like, uh, especially with music videos, actually, it's happened that um, people just do like a screenshot of like the um, of the low res file or what looks like a low res file, and then uh, they like use it on their Instagram yeah. or what, whatever, and they you yeah. know they publicize themselves with it, or or they like, oh, this thing is great, and it looks horrible, and it it doesn't make you look want to look at the video at all. Yeah. Yeah. I've. And I've oh, like, I'm and like when someone now. does that, I'm a bit like, oh. And then again, I'm like, well, maybe I'm just being too picky because obviously you're you know being really harsh with your own v- film in the first place, and you'd never release it like that, and you'd no, never release a picture right. like that. But then yeah. when someone else does it, maybe you're like, well, maybe people don't realize. But yeah. I hope they actually don't notice. But that happens with the thumbnails on stuff as well. It's like mm. you can pick your own thumbnail for the video on exactly. YouTube, and then if you pick either like a bad a bad shot in the film in the in the film because you've not taken the time to care. Or, yeah, you've screenshotted something and it's low res and it just looks like shit. That ha- like, that puts you off watching it straight away. Absolutely. Yeah. It's super important. And uh, the, the the screenshot thing is really important. It's like people selecting your photo for your biography or something yeah. and then taking a really yeah. bad picture of yourself or something from, like, six years ago. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, uh, well, I had shaved hair then. Uh, I've got really long hair now or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, we've had a few gigs where you turn up and there's a picture from, like, oh, a covers. It's the worst. If you're doing, like, an originals gig and they've taken a picture that's online that you that someone once used for a covers gig and you're like oh no that's two completely different, different vibes, vibes. <laughs> don't yeah. get it. oh fuck but yeah i i think we're, we're, we're i don't have we done that um we not not us specifically but as a unit the our other band did when we took a screenshot that of ben's the the video that ben edited for whoever in the somethings Oh, I don't know. And that that screenshot was it wasn't it wasn't necessarily a I don't think it was a low res one it was like taken on the laptop but it wasn't like a still it wasn't yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't like a frame still. it was like a scre- it was like a paused yeah sometimes screenshot. that can work fine yeah it didn't <laughs> yeah, it wasn't great yeah you just have to make sure it looks good yeah that's all I thought the thing that we've done to you and I know that we've done this Ooh. is that you sent us the first edit. We were like, cool, yeah, can we, like, that looks great. Can we just maybe change this? Maybe try that there. And then you did it. And then we were like, oh, yeah, no, I preferred it how it was before. <laughs> oh, well, that's normal, though. That's like... Does that not get on your tits, though? Well, no, because I'm used to it. Because that's, you know, I edit, I mean, that was that was fine. Like, I edit things and 
it's it's normal it's a dialogue right so right, you okay. like work on something together and you're like oh can we change this can we try this yeah and you try it out sometimes it's annoying if you don't agree with it and you're like no that's gonna look terrible which i didn't think with you guys by the way but like um, <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> but then but then still it's good to try it and show and then people are like oh okay i see why you didn't do that yeah and you know it's especially on our projects it's quite collaborative and in general when you yeah, edit something for for someone mm. when it's more commercial stuff anyway you mm. you need to have you know, you need to do that. So it's not. You need to, to try have, it, and you need. You know, editing in a film always takes ages. It's mm. um, this. You start with a big thing, and then there's like loads of changes to make. So I'm very used to that. All right, cool. See, I told Sweet. you. Well, I just felt like you know. All right, fine. It's okay. <laughs> but the um, that was just something that you can get you when, like, especially if you say ah, it's probably not going to work. Like that happens with me with production stuff, where they'll be like, oh well. I, I was picturing this and you kind of go yeah but if you do that then this and then that it probably won't work and then if it's if it's a nice collaborative thing if they're like well can we try it you're like yeah cool we can try it and then if they say oh we'll go back then you're fine to do it but sometimes if you're like if you're trying this thing over and over again and then they're like oh we'll just go back to how it was in the first place and you're like i fucking knew it was right in the first place and it, that's what like, yeah. bugs you it can be it. frustrating i think i guess it depends what kind of stuff you're working on yeah, mm. or who it's for. Who it's well. for. Like, all these things. I mean, it shouldn't really matter. It should be the same work, right? But depending on mm. the nature of the project. Yeah. Should we go to the... E, oh my God, who the fuck is Peter Guy? Who's he, lad? Yeah, I, um, oh, for hey. this section... Oh, God. For this segment, I'm going to change it. So normally, we do, we do like, a little section called Who the fuck is Peter Guy? Peter Guy is a music reviewer from Liverpool. He's not well-loved. Basically, um, oh, by, it's by just our a, George. Everyone else loves him. It's it's essentially just um, a music review section. I'm going to change it to who the fuck is Mark Kermode, and I'm going to change it to a little film section. Oh, which is what, I you said know, that before, didn't I? What, what have you been watching? What so, what do you recommend? What are you throwing out shit. there for the listeners to to Come say? Stealing my ideas. Oh, Plagiarism. Right. Sorry. Oh, uh, I've been watching a lot of different things, but I can talk about I've. Mm. I have recently been watching a lot of uh, films by this quite young female filmmaker called Josephine Decker. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's pretty cool. She makes um, kind of experimental slash uh, experimental thrillers, I would Ooh. say. Uh, I'm not usually into thrillers, but she's just quite, yeah, she's done like you know, different, different yeah, well, different films anyway. So I've been, I've watched all all, all the films she's made. Uh, the, she's just got one released um, this just now. It's probably still out in cinemas like the ICA in London and mm. uh, in more independent places. Um, it's called Madeline's Madeline. Oh, but the one that. I particularly liked was, her, I think it's her first feature, which is a short feature. She was called Butter on the Latch, mm. which I thought was really, really cool and uh, very inspiring and very, made with, I think, probably quite a low budget and that always inspires me when it's a really good film because it just shows you once again what we were what saying you before can you can just do loads with just yeah. a good eye a good team Sick. a nice collaborate like nice ju- yeah just a good team and a good a good like good idea and then you you can do a lot of good things anyway mm-hmm. she's great and she um she's a woman and you know it's quite rare having women in narrative even if it's kind of experimental it's still narrative film so yeah, yeah it's just, um Butter on that the latch. Right. That sounds that sounds like a cool name. I want yeah. to see that one. The Madeline's Madeline got great reviews. Mm. I didn't know it was. Yeah, she uh, she works with um, I think a DOP. I think she's called Chloe Ashley, if I remember well. Oh, who's cool. great. Um, 
I guess they always work together. I don't really, you know, know much, that much more about them, but they um, they have worked together on the previous films, and she has these really this really cool way of filming, which is kind of disorientating. Um, so it's nice to to have a good team to work with. That's very important. Yeah. Sick. Go on, Shell. What have you been watching? You suggested it, and you haven't got anything. No. Can we do TV series? No. Oh. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we can do TV series. No, I'm we can. All over that. Well, if you haven't got a film, then go on. We do everything. Okay. I, d- I, I just, I'm invested in TV series so much, more so than film. So firstly, I'm going to recommend Game of Thrones. No, no. I don't want to joke. I would never do that. Please don't watch that last season. It ruined the whole thing. This niche little thing <laughs> called Friends. No, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to recommend anything particularly niche. Um, I'm definitely going to recommend Chernobyl. Yeah. 100% yeah. because it's so so good first episode you you might have to get through that episode not because it's bad but because it seems a little bit wiggy and there are a few characters that you're a bit thrown off by and you're a bit like oh is this like a really low budget BBC thing yeah but after that it's definitely not oh, and it's so it's good so not, like coming from somebody who didn't really know much about that whole thing it's not only like massively informative but it's just told in a very very good way mm. um and apparently alex told me this not to rob your idea <laughs> um there's a podcast link to it um told by the is it the directors or the producers or something i actually don't know the writers know. but anyway they talk through why they made certain decisions in the series based on the real events so like you know that what you're watching has actually been thought about and the way that they're telling the story has been thought a lot about um based on actual events so I'd recommend that one. And the second one is Killing Eve, season two. Okay. Got to do it. And you've got to do that purely because um, I don't know whether it's as good as season one yet. I've got to let it settle in for a bit because I've only just finished it. But visually, it is incredible. It's so good. And like the color schemes that they're working with for like the title sequences and things like that are just genius and every single title title every single title sequence is slightly different Uh, but every time I was like oh that looks so good it looks so like visually satisfying and the whole world that they've created as well also looks satisfying and hair is a main character she this the thing like the the wardrobe and everything that she plays with is just good and very poetic to her character as well so you just know that they're thinking about all of these little tiny things when they're making decisions with their character which all work into a more i don't know just a very coherent thing that works really well together Mm. so i'm i'm highly recommending that sick i'm kind of struggling with something to recommend i feel like i've watched a lot of stuff recently that i've been really disappointed with the thing is with recommendations i'm like Normally with music recommendations, it's like, what have you been recently listening to? Because mm. listening to, but with film stuff, I'm like, well, I could just recommend anything right now <laughs> because we've never done this section before. Yeah, yeah. But that's why I tried to keep it more relevant, like yeah. recent. I mean, for me, because we watched there was a film called High Life that came out recently, and it looked amazing, and it was but based on the trailer, or yeah, okay, yeah. Um, and again, like based on a lot of stuff surrounding it, actually, you know, female director, sci-fi kind of like, um, you know, like a like an artsy sci-fi, like like it was made by A24, so everything's a little bit more kind of indie looking. 
Robert Pattinson was in it and he's like got a shaved head. So it's kind of, it all just looked really cool. And, and it was just, it just wasn't, was it? I, was, I mean, <laughs> oh he, he's given it a really rough time. I thought they were playing with some interesting ideas. And I often, I would prefer that something is made not quite up to standard, but it's just made because yeah no i'm glad and I, that I, i'm glad that idea is being talked about and yeah. now because that idea exists there's going to be people who are going to develop that idea yeah. and it's going to be bigger and better i'm totally glad so it exists. To, to be to be able to talk about that idea and watch it on visually i i give that particular thing a lot of credit but and alex was like i know i'm glad it exists but he gives that way less credit because he's like yeah but they just didn't execute it at all well they didn't <laughs> but the thing is i'm glad it exists because of the narrative around it what's it about it's about a, a was well, mainly focuses on Robin Pat Robert Pattinson, but it's also about the the crew on this spaceship that is headed to a black hole, and it becomes apparent quite early on that they they're all prisoners on the spaceship, and it's just the dynamic between them. But it also becomes a, it's also about the importance of life and um, the fragility of life and how meaningless it kind of all is when especially when you're floating around space like like you know there's this small society and everything's so dra- so dramatic on this small spaceship but it's this tiny speck floating towards a black hole it's and it's all just about how meaningless it all uh, and it was you know it was, it was a bit bleak as well but it just wasn't net they didn't quite nail it and i'd love to have recommended that film back just something inside me just can't let it happen i was just like no they didn't do it right but, but if we're going down the road of being able to recommend anything i'm gonna recommend a double bill of the documentary mind in the gap that came out last year which is an amazing documentary about skateboarders and it follows their lives. it's made by one of the guys in the skateboarding group and it follows their lives and where they end up and you know we're talking about artists who you know just are on a particular path or trajectory without realizing it but these are like skateboarders doing the same thing yeah, and exactly. skateboarding as a sport or an art form or however you would categorize it. I don't know. It's amazing to watch. Yeah, it sounds... It, it, when you first described it to me, it, I was like, I'm not going to watch that. Awesome. It's, it's, so not, it's, not, it's not just about skateboarders. It's about, um, it's about like a, a bit of like a lost part of society. And yeah. the, the way that they cope with that is through, you know, groups of young boys will come... Or young people will come together and skateboard well, it's, and it's about their lives minding the gap isn't just minding the gap between you know on the jump that you're making with your skateboard it's mm. like the poverty gap the class yeah. the gap in the class mm. system yeah. but that all becomes apparent as you watch it and you kind of watch it and you're like oh this is cool this all looks really nice and you kind of go and like where's this going and then by the end of it you're like oh, devastated shit. aren't you yeah. like you're emotionally devastated but a double bill of that and then watching um the directorial directorial debut from Jonah Hill called Mid 90s, which is a, basically the dramatized version of that documentary. Mm. But I accept it focuses on a little kid who gets in with a group of older skateboarders. It's only like 90 minutes. Easy. It's a lot of them are actually skateboarders who act rather than actors who skateboard. Um, shot really well, edited amazingly. It's done in like a little, like in the four by three ratio, like what we're doing our film in yep. as well, which was when I first when it came on screen i was like sick <laughs> like legitimize that what we're doing is cool because this film is fucking well cool we've recommended the soundtrack on here before in this section but i'm gonna just recommend the film i don't know if it's out on dvd or streaming yet or dvd remember that when did um, when did it come out 
Um, I think it was like two months ago. Okay. But went to go watch it with Ben Gladwin of this parish and great film. The double bill of them together, like seeing it dramatized and or watching it dramatize once you know some of the backstory of these the real the life situations they're yeah. really really good um so i'm going to recommend a double bill of that but i'm also going to back you up on chernobyl show oh, chernobyl. fucking great it's great fucking great um were you affected by chernobyl where did you live at that time <laughs> <laughs> hang on no you were too young right you were too was chernobyl 87 yeah you were you were, you were not born, born yet oh, okay because you you were on the continent then weren't you or your parents will have been my parents would have been. They would have been in Germany, South Germany. Oh, so really close. Yeah. Mm. Or yeah, yeah you, everyone was getting eva- evacuated yeah. to your parents. Maybe. Yeah, mad. I did ask them once. I forgot. I think they had like some acid rain or something like that. Shit. Yeah, it was, shit happened. Oh, yeah. yeah, watch it. So good. Um, anything else? Anyone wants to bring up? Or are we done for this week? No, talking of acid rain. You can wrap it up there. <laughs> <laughs> On a happy note. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> that's what, what we do. Yeah. That's, that's what we do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Antonia. Thanks for having me. No problem. Um, and look, you know, we'll put all the handles. See you handles. next week. Now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll put all the handles to your social media and everything in the show notes. Um, go follow her on Instagram because Instagram is a visual medium and Antonia is a visual artist. Oh, so, nice um, yeah. Yeah. Shell, <laughs> nice um, thanks again. Uh, it's okay. Do you want me to sign off? Um. <clears throat> Yeah. Oh, actually, I? I, I, I'll do that if you want. Go on. No, no, you do it. Too much sauce. Oh. Too Go much on. sauce ruins the fries. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> Bye.